Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hi, Mike. Good evening, Chet. Good evening. Well, for me, it is evening. Oh, I yeah. know for you, it's still kind of I would say gap between afternoon good and Good afternoon. This is after, afternoon for me. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever. Yeah, what whatever. Whatever. You're at. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very Valley Girl sound that you have going on there. I remember that sound from where I grew up. There were there were Valley Girl sounding people in the Northwest, certainly. I remember when that song came out, Valley Girl. Yeah. It was huge. It was such a, it was like Frank Zappa's hugest hit, and it was like a joke, wow. total joke song. <laughs> it's funny how that goes, huh? Yeah, I know. Well, maybe the fear will be your biggest hit. It's kind of a joke too. That's <laughs> uh, not a joke. I wouldn't think of it as a joke. Anyway, we're going to talk about, on today's episode, my show coming up at Copro Gallery, and it's opening on October 7th, and it's called The Fear. Indeed. And uh, I'm working on it right now. Of course, it's going to the last minute like everything I do does, and... Um, finishing the paintings and trying to get this frame sculpted and just thought, you know, Mike thought it was a good idea to talk about the show conceptually and just talk about it in general. Cause there's a lot to talk about it. Yeah. It's really, it's an exciting show. It's an exciting title. They're exciting paintings. And for me, it's exciting because it relates to dystopia, which of course I'm writing for Chet. And so I'm very uh, intimately involved with that and excited about that as well. And this is just another thing that correlates to it. And since we're still slogging through the last stages of that whole entire process, it's just another way for me to get excited about it, even though I'm not really currently doing a whole lot aside from just, you know, talking with Chet about the book and making small changes and alterations here and there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, as soon as the show, the fear show's done, I'm back to the dystopia book. I've just got some paintings I got to finish for it, and then we're going to send it off to the graphic designer. And it should be once we get that done, it's going to be such a huge relief because then it's just a matter of, of waiting for it to get um, the to send off to the printer, basically. So it's yep. coming, people. Thank you for for being patient with that. It's going to be worth the wait, though. This is you know as epic as we were dreaming about you know yeah well no is pretty amazing it's gonna be pretty amazing it's a special piece piece of literature i think and and i'm i'm really excited to be involved in it and i don't say that because i you know i really don't what's funny about this piece i guess i just gotta say is that like it's not mine you know it's yours and so even though i'm you know using my wordsmithing techniques to you know (laughs) make it sound cool it's all your material it's all your ideas it's all you know it's it's your thing and even though i am involved in that process at least in ferreting out information because we're approaching it as almost like investigators i suppose or anthropologists 
anthropologists or, or whatever. Um, at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm basically taking this thing that's pretty rough and ugly and dirty and just making it, you know, sound and flow nice. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) So that's, it's fun and it's cool. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's not the same as doing your, your own thing. You know what I mean? For sure. And I can't really own it. Like I would own my own thing, but at the same time I do, I'm excited obviously about it because I do have my own personal experiences with this place, dystopia, certainly independent of you, which is actually why I know you. So that's, there is a tie in for me on a very personal level, which obviously makes me invested, you know, vastly invested in it as a, as a piece unto itself. And as a a way to communicate something that's, I think is really important for the world. So anyway, that, that will, that's forthcoming. It's, it's getting there. It's getting there people. Thanks again. So well, the fear, the fear has something to do with it, but I want to, I want Chet to talk about the show first. Yes. Yeah. Sorry if I, if, if I sound a little off today, I'm completely, I know Mike and I are actually both really exhausted and hustling to try and make ends meet. So we'll do our best to pump up the volume. Okay. Ah, yes. <laughs> I haven't seen forever, dude. I'd I love to see that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this show I'm uh, I'm I'm painting. It's it, it's uh, opens at Copro Gallery on the seventh. It's called The Fear, and I'll talk a little bit about how that came about because it's it's kind of interesting. Um, I had you know no ideas for this show. I just could not figure it out, and I was just I think it's just because I was completely overworked and you know particularly overworked and just kind of overwhelmed and exhausted and um, so I wasn't really getting anything. I kept kind of writing ideas down and thinking about it. And then of course the, the dates coming up for the show and I'm, and I'm not coming up with any really inspired ideas. And I, I, I don't think I've done a show yet to where I wasn't totally into what I was doing or really inspired. So that's kind of like key for me to make good work is to just be inspired, you know, really be into it. So I was just, I was kept drawing a blank and this kind of never happens to me almost never happens to me where I just have this kind of block. And I, and, and like I said, I think it was just kind of from exhaustion. So I thought, you know, let me go, you know, go back to, I I always recommend people to get inspired, go to a museum, go to a really good art show or something, go to something that you love, you know, and that will inspire you. So I, I'm not sure how I wound up. I don't know if I just saw it on Amazon or I decided to go looking on Amazon, but I found this series of um, <clears throat> old horror comics from the 50s and 60s. It's a series that, series this guy did, and we can maybe put a, a link in the in – the, because I don't remember the names of them, but it's different yeah, ho- yeah. horror. Cool. I'll write it down right now. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Different horror um, artists It's or – horror comics it's all about horror comics basically all these different books and it's really good and so i was just like okay i'm just gonna get a couple of these books and so i bought a few of them and and, um uh started looking through them and of course immediately i was just so inspired because i just love those horror those old horror comics you know even though they're from before my time i somehow they were around all the time i'm not sure how as a kid, these horror comics were around because it's, like I said, they're from the 50s. Some of them were from the late 40s and the, the, throughout the 50s and the 60s were these ones that I loved. And, and I wound up with them around my house and, and fell in love. So um, I started thinking about, uh, you know, the just the the feeling I got from them and, and the, 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 
the style of the text and everything. Um, and at, at one point I just started thinking, you know, I want to do a series of paintings that are just all about fear. You know, a lot of my stuff is kind of creating empath- empathy for monsters you know, mm-hmm. and so there's that humorous quality yeah, for sure. And the humorous quality, the empathy quality, empathetic quality. And sometimes they're just scary, but I don't think they're mostly just scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think so. that's a little bit more on the on the fringes of what I do, but at least to me, but that might be not be true. No, for I agree. A lot of I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, obviously I have a pretty good overview of my <laughs> <That's true>. your <laughs> work. And I would say that, yeah, you're the, the outright scary shit is definitely on the fringe right. on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to more of just the, the sensation of feelings that humanity has on the more negative side of the coin as right. it were. Right. So I thought, you know, I'll just go for fear. I'll just go for straight up creepy, straight up, creepy basically try and give people the creeps with these paintings and so just with that in my mind um i started just sketching and coming up with some designs and at that point something struck me that oh maybe i should do these oval portraits because that's that's when i got when i first hit and started selling was when i started doing these oval portraits portrait nope. style monster painting. And if you if you want to know more about that story, here's your paid advertising right. for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for your podcast, I suppose, whatever time of day you're listening to it, head over and check out Chetzar I Like to Paint Monsters. You can see it on iTunes. You can buy it on DVD from Chet signed at chetzar.bigcartel.com. Thank you. To continue. Thank you. Yeah, so I thought I'd maybe go back to um, these oval portraits because um, I, I – it just it just thought seemed like it'd be a good idea because I also wanted to go kind of go back to um, going back and really detailing things and making things really polished, which I haven't done in a while. I, I go through different phases in paintings, like you know, for a while I'd be focusing on color for a while for just a, a period in there where you could see I was really learning more about composition and focusing on composition and. You know, sometimes there'd be weird lighting that I'd start to get into. So every artist does this, I think, where you just focus on different aspects of things. Right, because you're like you're like honing those particular skills, right. and the only way in your position to hone those skills is actually by doing, doing it. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go back to it's. You know, a lot of my best stuff is from those early days too, which is strange when I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. It's really weird. So I don't know why that is but um some classic ones are are from the early days so i thought you know i'm gonna try and really hit that hit that um level of polish again um so and that made sense you know kind of revisiting this portrait thing sort of this full circle deal where i'm going back to where i started in a way and Mm -hmm. um and then i thought if i'm doing an oval portrait oval frames are a nightmare to find. There's not a ton of good oval frames, so I should sculpt a frame, which I'm working currently working on now. And they're and hated. Current, currently driving me crazy just because of the time, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll explain that later. But um, so I started doing these sketches and, and I, and I found uh, at least eight or nine that I was happy with. At this point, I only have eight paintings, which is not a lot. It's a small show. Let me explain. Right, that. right. Let me Aren't explain. you doing the small, the small gallery? Yeah, Capro has three rooms actually. It's got the front area where the cash register is, and it's like a small area for a show. Then they have the main room, which is this really big room, and then they got a small room in the back. And um, I usually take the big room because they they do usually they do uh, two solo shows 
uh, on opening night. They do two solo mm-hmm. shows a month or a group show and a solo show. Like and, when you did Ego Death, it was Nico Hurtado in the right, small one. Right, right, right. So um, th- uh, they, it, Gary wanted me to do this show, and um, it was it's the same night as this Guillermo del Toro tribute show, and they're and they they have the big room. And so, you know, he asked me to do the show and I was like, oh, I'm too busy, but, um, uh, oh, that's right. That, that's, that, that's how this all came about. Actually, I was going to take off this year because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, believe, it, it sounds crazy, but it's hard for me to make money during these, the times when I'm doing solo shows because right. you, know, you just, I don't make a ton of money from originals. I make more from prints and merchandise and studies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cheap, cheaper items or lower priced items. And Gary said, you know, if, if you, uh, I got an offer to, uh, get you in juxtapose magazine to get an article written on you, a feature, which I've never had, but they want to be, you know, promoting a show or something around. They want some big events. So if you do this show, so I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> for that, I'll do a solo show because I, I felt kind of I've, like I've been sort of ignored by juxtapose for the most part. Um, I don't know why they, they did an article early on, but that was, uh, that was like a short interview that Greg Escalante actually hooked it, hooked me up with. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was only because whatever article they had dropped out, like they, it didn't happen. They were supposed to have an article there. So they had some pages to fill. So Greg's like, Hey, you want to do an interview? So, um, and that was like, literally we have to, he, he text texted me or called me and said, we have to do this today and we have to have the text in tomorrow. So I did get in juxtapose way back in, God, I don't know, 2007 or something like that. So I thought, okay, this is worth doing a show for um, just to at least have one feature in juxtapose because, it's, you know, that's a magazine I kind of grew up with, not grew up with, but started my art career with. And uh, Well, and it's, I mean, really, it's in the, you know, in the industry, it's like the, the most highly reputed magazine that exists in the million yeah. of magazines that exist. <laughs> it's, well, it's the cool thing. It's the biggest art magazine in the world over right. like all the classic, the standards that have been around forever, like art in America and stuff, which is pretty amazing that this kind of lowbrow art magazine hit that point. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, back to, back to, painting for the show. So sculpting these frames. What was mm-hmm. I saying? Okay. So I started talking dis- about how you decided to do those. Right, right, right. So I just, uh, I, uh, yeah. So sculpting the frames and getting back to designing the painting. So I had these sketches that I liked and, um, a lot of them had spiders in it, which is not something I've painted a lot before. And, but as, as always it's, you know, painting's an intuitive process for me. And, um, so I was just going off my intuition, trying to make stuff creepy. Spiders came out. I really didn't think anything about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and one, I started thinking about, uh, uh, that aspect of it and wondering about it. And then I realized that the, the whole spider thing that we talk about, and I like to paint monsters, how that was probably one of my first early experiences with being really afraid of something. And then my mother taking me to the library because there was an internet back then and getting some books out and explaining to me about spiders. And then I lost my fear of spiders and that's, you know, the, the dark art movement in a nutshell, in a way, right. you know, or right. at least, at least my career in a nutshell, demystifying those fears by exploring those fears right. rather than 
shirking from them, you know? Sure, sure. So I thought that was kind of a cool little subconscious thingy that came out of that. Well, it was funny too, because the other day I, you know, you saw this, obviously my, I had posted one of your pictures that you've been working on. Cause it's just amazing. And my, uh, on a, on the, Chet's our, I like to paint monsters, Facebook page. My parents came in there and they were like, what's with all the spiders. You know? <laughs> right. And I was like, you know, and I was like, well, you know, this is my interpretation. I didn't even think to even mention the, the fact that you paint intuitively. Cause like for me, I just, I, if I even mentioned, I just take it for granted. Cause it's like, well, for me, it's like, well, for, well, duh, you know, right. <laughs> but I always forget. So I was like, well, it's probably because of this, this, this. I start psychoanalyzing it, you know. <laughs> so, and interestingly, it may or may not be on point, but it sounds like it might be. Oh, yeah, it was exactly on point, actually. Um, except that it wasn't intentional is all. It wasn't thought right, out, right. which is, you know, I just don't work well thinking things out. It's like I, I work well just on this intuitive thing, which is really weird and kind of, it's strange. It's really strange. Like the whole way part of what I have to do to paint and get in that creative mode is I have to just turn my brain off and relax. Relaxing is like the key. That's why I can't just go and be doing a million things and go and paint a little bit and then do something else mm-hmm. and go paint a little bit. I have to completely get in the mode and just relax and put on a good documentary or some music and, and chill out. And then, and then the paint, then it just kind of comes out, you know? So it's, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's such a weird thing that you just can't, touch it you can't like you know it's strange it's really kind of you certainly can't define it i mean that's what that's why it's special though that's why it's magic i mean Mm -hmm. in my opinion that's why it's magic is because the magical things are the things that cannot be the the idea of it is so much larger than the words that are attempting to contain it you know what i mean and we try to describe everything down to this nice neat little sentence and that's what wordsmiths like me do you know try to make it concise you know, trying right. to make it so that it's, 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 uh, digestible, you right. know, so that, yeah. it, but at the same time, it's like, what is lost when you take this, something that's so huge and profound and then try to define it and distill right. it down, you know? And so that's the beauty of that whole process. And that's why it's a magical act for you is that you're going about it in a way where you can't really define the parameters of how it works, why it works, yeah. what it works for, you know, how it's informed, why you do it, you know, all of those things. It's all very amorphous. It's, a, you know, just out of, out of your reach. And so I think that's what makes it a magical act is because you're going into a space that is not uh, neurotypical thinking, you right. know, and it's neurodiverse thinking. You're arranging yourself in a position to interface with your consciousness in a completely different way than the vast majority of people could or would, you know, right. and that's what, again, makes it a magical Mm -hmm. i agree yeah it's very it's mysterious it's it is it's magic it is it's a trip anyway um so the other thing i start of course while i'm designing these paintings and i start painting them um you know on a technical note i use this new uh lead ground for my paintings, which is, you know, normally it's like, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's basically, you know, you have to, you can't paint directly on canvas because the oil soaks into the canvas. So you have to use gesso it. And normally I use this acrylic gesso that's commonly used and, um, things come pre gessoed usually. So I usually just paint right on the pre gessoed surface, but I had this oil based, uh, lead ground, which is this white, ground made from lead it's really toxic and mm. um but it's it's oil it's like oh it's basically this thick white oil paint you put on the canvas and so it just 
takes the paint nicer than the the acrylic gesso. So that was kind of cool. And that's also how I did some of these. uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the show I did it for, but a a series of oval portraits I did during that period, I really sanded the surface smooth to try and get, even though I was using canvas, I tried to get this smooth surface on it. So anyway, that was part of it. I was prepping these canvases and started the paintings. And I was thinking a lot about fear and, while I was doing it. And, um, uh, then it, then it became, came to me that this is, it's a p- perfect show for now because everybody's afraid right now more than mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. ever. I can think of since at least since the cold war in my lifetime, I've never mm-hmm. seen so many people afraid and with kind of good reason, you know, or it's reasonable to be afraid these days. Cause just with what's going on in the world is terrifying. If you, you gotta just, you know, you got to just roll with it at this point because there's no, you can't do anything about it right now. There's yeah. so much chaos happening. And I know everybody's feeling this. I'm feeling it. You're feeling, everybody's feeling it. It's just, you can tell mm-hmm. it's, there's just a, a feeling of fear in the air. So that kind of uh, was more um, confirmation that this was a good topic for the show. And um, uh, what was the other thing that I was thinking? forgot i lost it anyway so oh i know what i was gonna say uh yeah at one point even when i was sculpting the well okay let me get into this sculpting the frames <laughs> we'll go into the frames i'm yeah, I, sure about the frame i basically found this cool decent simple oval frame that i can sculpt on top of and turn it into a cool custom frame rather than customizing existing frames that i like i normally do for for mm-hmm. time and expediency um I got this oval frame and I'm sculpting over it. And so I have this really cool design that I'm calling the um, death's head fractal. That, that's, mm, that's that quite I sh- intriguing. <laughs> there. I showed you the picture where the heads are right. Yeah. yeah the oh, they're yeah. little, you'll see it. You'll see it. You guys will see it yeah. within a week. It's amazing. So, um, <clears throat> and I thought that was kind of cool for, for this. Uh, so I, I, at one point I was sculpting this, little death's head that's representing the fear and um i had an edible which i'm swearing off of after because i had the it was i should have had like a quarter of it maybe and i ate the whole thing (laughs) um and i caught complete i totally got the fear while i was sculpting this thing which you know mike was pointing out to me as well how appropriate that was but um, man, I, it was bad. I had a really bad kind of. I'm, I don't know. I'm not good with edibles. The fear is, you know, the funny thing about the fear, and it, when we're talking about it right now, as opposed to your show, but just the fear. Right. You know, a, a lot of us kind of psychonauts, I think, refer to it as the fear. Yeah, and right. I think inevitably that that's informed probably by Hunter S. Thompson, you know, from his writings, because, well, you know, the late 60s, early 70s writings where he's talking about getting the fear and stuff, that's where I picked it up from anyway. Right. But nevertheless, the notion of, the you know, getting the fear is it's, it's like a thing that you have to deal with from time to time, you know. <laughs> You know in life one right. way or another right and and the thing is, is and that that's the, the thing fear... about the psychedelic experience too there's that when you hit the ego death 
there is that point you have to break through where you have to relax yeah. and let it happen because if you don't and you try and hold on and you hold on to the fear fire. that's you when know? you get a bad trip you know yeah yeah exactly well and even yeah on anything i mean mm -hmm. you know any state of mind it's like even if you don't sleep for you know a good 36 hours yeah. i guarantee you you're going to start having you know your consciousness and your awareness are going to shift in such a fashion that you're not going to be interfacing with reality in the same way and so inevitably the fear is waiting there you know but i i just think it's funny that we talk about this this thing the fear you know uh -huh. that we get because it's like one of those things where i question myself it's like you know it's bad like you said you got the fear bad and that and that's a bad thing because it feels bad in the moment but it's almost like the dark art society thing too where it's like yeah it feels bad but at the same time you're actually facing something that you need to be facing and, mm -hmm. and your defense mechanisms are down enough that you're not able to protect yourself against that for whatever reason whether that's self-imposed or otherwise because right. i find myself in life often feeling stripped naked by a situation and getting the fear which has nothing to do with me choosing for that to happen right. i mean understandably my choices led me to that result but nevertheless you get the point so it's like it's funny because we we say oh it's this bad thing but it's a formative thing too because when i think back to like my experiences of dying you know death sensations and the fear and all of that right. it's like i came out of that reborn all of them with this sensation of like a rebirth really right you know and and actually interestingly that's why i mentioned to you before we got on this i just finished this episode emails from infinity this uh, uh it's actually the end of dissolving the line and it's getting into the uh this last chapter which is beyond the line and i talk about my first death experience and it was a fever and it wasn't from it wasn't self-imposed i got food poisoning mm -hmm. and i like totally had this amazing horrible death experience but it like really it was like a rebirth like i came out of it a different mm -hmm. person you know so anyway i just think it's it's important to remember that even when you do have the fear again as much as you can surrender to that experience and allow yourself to actually just look at and deal with yeah. the things that are to you through that experience because clearly they're meant to happen as a you know they're yeah, happening yeah, so yeah. you need to deal with that shit and if you do you won't have this negative baggage rather you're going to feel a sensation of i think release and relief well afterwards. yeah but the, the negative thing comes from resisting it and that's sure. true with you know when you're uh tripping or any anytime you're afraid is to relax into the fear you know it's it's one of the kind of the I don't know, primal building blocks of the psychedelic experience is that you have to overcome the fear. And, and it's that's the thing, you know, and when you can you don't overcome it by doing what you would do in your waking life, which is like beating it or fighting right. it or struggling yeah, with you, it, or pushing it down. You yeah, can't win no. that. Yeah, no, you 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 accept it and relax into it. That's the only way. And that's yeah. you know, so this is all very tied to that and and death, the idea of death, because there's all gonna, there's going to come that day when we do die, and you're gonna, you know, you can fight the whole way and make it miserable, or you can kind of like try and accept it and relax into it. And so I think it's it works on, you know, the concept of the fear works on many levels. And uh, I just want to mention also that there's a great the first first time I heard it referred to as the fear was in that movie with nail and I, which I don't know if you, if you ever ended up seeing that or uh, yeah, that's that one I keep telling you about. You got to see it's so great. Yeah. It's like a cult cult classic. Now um, it's an English film. It takes place in the, the, the like the last days of the sixties and it's about, I remember you telling me about this yeah, when I was at your place one time. Yeah. It's so great. It's one of my favorite movies. I watch it over and over. Um, and it's kind of loosely based on this guy's life, actually. Um, so it's, there's some some truth to it. But it's these two guys. Starts off in the beginning of the film. These two out of work actors, 
living in this like you know totally m- disgusting messy flat and um th- they're they're both coming down from like you know using all their drugs they don't have any drugs left and the one guy's just like starts thinking and he's like freaking out he starts thinking about all this stuff and he's like i'm getting the fear i'm getting the fear you know he's totally <laughs> totally freaking out so that comes up a couple times in that movie that's the first time i ever really huh, heard of it is referred to, to, referred to as the fear because it is a thing that you know stoners and people psychonauts that, like you mentioned experience from time to time so yeah anyway. sure well and i think everybody does in their life too it's yeah, just that's that, the thing yeah. you know i mean tell me that anybody listening to this right now tell me you haven't had some experience in your life where all of a sudden you were so afraid by what was happening that you felt like you were probably just going to die right, <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean well, like basically I mean, the world was going to collapse in on itself and all existence would cease yeah yeah everyone's had some yeah. permutation of that and it's such a big thing that you know so many people have anxiety disorders i mean it's really like a big thing it's a big issue that really hasn't you know it hasn't been uh i don't think properly addressed in a way you know because it's 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 almost like it's a spiritual issue and and you know the western medicine western medicine can only really address it from a um a chemical standpoint with drugs and stuff but i think that there is something i think as you know society's basically crumbling around us you know in, in many ways and i think that it's a kind of this natural anxiety that comes from that but if we're to look to the psychedelic experience or stuff the stuff we were talking about how how you how you respond how do you respond to the fear in that situation to get to the other side to where you're you, you you find god basically is to relax into it accept it and relax into it so i would say that in this situation you know to where we're in this world that's out of control that's the answer as well it's always the answer when it comes to fears like yeah, to yeah. relax into it and just to ex- try and accept it and not resist it basically yeah you know yeah well and i think you're right i think that the the, the problem is a spiritual problem. The symptom is a mental issue. Right. You know what I mean? And I think it really is that clear. It's that, you know, we have these aberrant behaviors. We have these aberrant thought patterns. We have these aberrant addictions. We have these strange things that occur on a very mental level, you know, and that could just seem like the problem. And like you said, Western medicine certainly deals with that chemically, which is to say that they're addressing the symptom. Right, right. And what we do know is that as long as you address the symptom, the problem remains, well, you know, unchanged. I'll, so if you were to actually get to the core of right. it, and I think that what you're kind of saying too is that not only on an individual level do we all suffer from a little bit of spiritual illness certainly but it's as a result of the world in which we live right. which is to say that, that there is a spiritual that illness yeah. that exists in the mass consciousness of all of the people occupying this right. place and you are one and uh, a part and parcel of that right. you know so again the solution it, see, it would seem to me is very clear is to address our own spiritual problems right. to relieve our own mental symptomatic issues and by doing that individually the more people that do that, the more that happens on a mass consciousness level, the more that imbalance that's going on between the symptom and the problem overall will resolve itself. Right, certainly. right. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, on a, uh, you know, uh, uh, another way that Western medicine addresses it is through therapy and psychotherapy, which is, you know, uh, I think is a great thing to do. You know, a, a good therapist you know, is really good. 
I agree with you. I totally agree with you. It's important to have people that you can talk to that won't judge you, you. Where you have anonymity, yeah, and where they have no relation to what's going on in your world so that you can say anything you need to say to them because sometimes the people that you need to talk to the most are not the people that are right in front of you. Right, <laughs> right. You need to digest that shit before you speak with those people. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, a lot of this stuff, again, it's funny because you get into the kind of quagmire in this discussion of like, what is this all about? And again, it seems to seem like, oh, well, it's about all these things. I can't make sense out of it. But what's interesting to me on the chemical level, I just wanted to mention is that, you know, we talk about all these things we do, like, well, I'm going to take this one chemical and that's going to, you know, let, let, let's just say for drugs, for instance, just for the fun of it, I'm going to take some lysergic acid dithalamide. It's going to change my experience of the world or whatever. But see, the reality is, is that I'm not taking anything. All I'm doing is I'm taking something into my body that's telling my brain what chemical to give me more of. Right, so basically right. this thing is telling my brain more serotonin, please. Mm -hmm. and, my, and my body's like, oh yeah, well, I mean, the signals are there. So fuck it. Here's some serotonin. <laughs> right. And all these drugs, you know, it's interesting. I just, th I feel like a lot of the time, again, when we talk about the symptom and we talk about the, the actual problem is that people think, oh, well, you're taking this thing into your system. You know, well, actually all you're doing is you're taking something in that's flipping different switches in your right. brain and releasing different chemicals that already exist within us. Right. We are a vessel for all of these things. So it's not like there's anything wrong with taking, you know, that's, I, I feel like nowadays there is kind of a, like almost a stigma, like, oh, well, I don't take pharmaceuticals, like almost kind of a snootiness right. of that. It's like, Dude, if, if pharmaceuticals flip those chemical switches in your brain so you get the right amount of your dopamine and your serotonin and your norepinephrine and your GABA and your all the things you need, then great. Right. You know, right yeah. on. Whatever yeah. it takes. But just remember, what's going on is is, is we're, a, we're a closed vessel. You know, we have things that instigate what happened within us, but yeah. all those things already exist within that's us. Like, yeah, that's like that uh, – uh uh, Dennis McKenna video I posted a while back on Facebook. He's like basically saying we are drugs. Everything yeah. in our brain is drugs. Yeah. I mean, totally. that's what, you know, that's what, how we perceive things and our brain is just, it's a bunch of chemicals happening. So, yeah. so. electricity and chemical, electrochemical reaction. That's yeah. all it is. That's all we are. A hundred percent to even our perception of the things that go on, right. which clearly nothing is going on outside of us if we're not able to actually view it without seeing it through the filter that is us. Right. So again, there's no objective observer. It's, it's, a, it's a myth. It doesn't right. exist. But anyway, back to anyway, the fear. Back to the fear. So, <laughs> so I've, you know, I've, I've uh, got these paintings. I'm thinking a lot about the fear. I have the fear at one point. Um, uh, and then I just go... Uh, go about, you know, painting these paintings. And, um, I've got, you know, like a, a guy, a really cool with a, like a spider thing coming out of a guy's head, which I, I finished that one. I've got the, uh, Mr. Wilson, which is that stitched up face looking uh, creepy guy. One. Thank you. <laughs> Where'd the name come from? For that one? <laughs> I don't know, just popped into my head. It's it was... what it, what I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Cause when I was a kid, I would watch that uh, show home improvement. Do you remember that, <laughs> yeah. that stupid sitcom? Cause like mm -hmm. that was like a show that my parents, like obviously they were like, Oh, we could sit around as a family and watch it. So we'd watch home improvement, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, the neighbor was Mr. Wilson. Well, you know, and he was, yeah. And he was always the dude that was over the fence and right. you couldn't see him ever. And he had the little fishing cap right, that was right. like, you know, funny fishing cap. And the fence was always just, you just see his eyes and he was always talking <laughs> yeah, over, yeah, you know, yeah. to Tim Allen or whatever. So when you said Mr. Wilson right away, I like well, saw your dude with the stitch face, but he had like a fisherman's cap on. <laughs> I think my Mr. Wilson reference might be from Dennis the Menace, you know, because oh, yeah, of course, Dennis the Menace, the, the, the mean 
neighbor was Mr. Wilson, yep. and he was like this yep. kind of older guy. And I kind of imagine this character as like this older, um, creepy guy. So uh, it just seemed like you know the, a nice American name. So, somehow, it, <laughs> somehow it just fit, you know, Mr. Wilson. It reminds me of it, it fits right in with like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, you know, totally, it's like right yeah. up there with mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. for sure. And dude, Mr. Rogers, I, dude, when I was a kid, I watched that, and there's some scary, weird, creepy stuff in Mr. that Rogers show. Mr. Rogers is great. I love that there's show. Some, you know, it's great. I mean, it was a great show as a kid, yeah, and still, were, but it's it's just some, yeah, the puppet shit. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That yeah. stuff was fucking disturbing. <laughs> Riding the train to Puppet Land. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, like getting the fear just watching some of those sequences. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I was like, I would watch brothers quay and get myself all scared and stuff like i'd sit or, you know i like to get myself scared i was like you i like it's fun and scary so i like right, it right um oh one thing i should mention before i get into the paintings is uh the other thing the, the interesting thing about this show is that i realized okay everything i paint that comes from this pure place like if i'm doing something that's maybe a commission of a freddy krueger that's not really in the dystopia land Everything I paint that's purely for me is part of dystopia. And so I was going, okay, where does this, how does this fit in with dystopia? And right. it's cool because I can, it's because of the delays on the book, I can include these pieces in the book and also include a new piece of information into the book that I didn't have before yes. I did these paintings, which is really, really cool. So, um, you know, without giving too much away, um, let me just put it like, uh, the stuff that's coming out of the smokestacks is we're referring to as the haunting and, yeah. and it's part of part of an evil plot by the mm-hmm. inter- interlopers we'll say that and mm-hmm. what comes from the haunting are is the fear or the the, mm-hmm. the, the haunt that these th- these things come out of these things that i'm painting for the show come out of the haunting and they they um they're trying to create the fear within the creeple which are the common people of dystopia so we'll leave that at that yeah that's a, that, that was a great great little synopsis so man. it does it does relate it, it, this, it does see relate. guys this is why i'm excited because i know you know that's <laughs> the little like bubble of information he gave you that popped up from the surface of like a whole glass of information yeah, so much and i get so to know cool. how all, and, and and actually i get to what's really exciting for me the fun part is i get to like be a part just almost if just watching like an observer as all of this stuff develops and happens. And he's like, Oh shit, that's what this is. Or, Oh, that's what this is. And that's how this works with this. And like, I'm a problem solver. I love puzzles. So that I get, gets me all excited. So yeah, yeah, you guys have no idea as a huge fan of Chet. Obviously I started as a fan before I ever became affiliated with him in any other way, shape and form the, the, the dystopia information is just going to blow your minds and this show is going to be incredible these paintings you're doing right now are the cleanest crispest tightest looking things that i've seen you do in a while but also they definitely have like at first i wanted to say a cartoonish quality but then i realized no that's not what it is it's like very much a surrealist quality more than any of your other paintings i've ever seen there's a surrealist quality going on and it's really cool and then again just tight and clean well that that's the thing you know every show i do i try and do as many paintings as i can and lisa my wife is always saying do less paintings and make all the paintings as good as they can possibly be, you know, qua- uh, quality over quantity. And I never mm-hmm. take, you know, I'm, she is, she's always right. And I'm always the last person <laughs> to take her advice because of my stupid ego. So this time though, I was like, okay, I'm going to not worry about making a ton of paintings. Although I am going to try and fit another one or two in, uh, 
before the and as soon as I get the, the frame sculpted, I'm going to send it to Lee Shamel and he's going to mold the cast it for me. Thank God he's saving me here. Um, haha. Uh, Mike just sent me a message anyway. Um, so, uh, uh, I decided to do these paintings, you know, just as good as possible. Really sit with them for a while, look at them, spend a lot of time looking at them, figuring out what it needs. Um, so that's why there's less less paintings than I would normally do in a show. So hopefully they will all be, you know, there will be all be really top top of top notch paintings. Um, no duds, no duds, no duds. So. Um, because everyone has duds. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. I, I, we all do. Oh, I've painted duds, definitely. I mean, you can't I paint. I've, I've seen your duds. <laughs> That's your what she said. Are good. Your duds are so much. You see, now you're going to say it out loud. We'll uh, but Sorry. Here's the thing. He's a batch master, so I guess he can do that. He's a batch master general. But you're, you're du- what I was trying to say is your dud paintings are like, you know, even like so much better than anything that I could possibly imagine doing myself, you know? Yeah, so okay. even your duds are great. But yeah, we all have our duds. I mean, shit. You can't paint as much as one dead a day myself (laughs) business. I'm in. You can't paint as much as I do and not have some that are just not as good as the others. It's just kind of the way it is. You know, you also have your unsung, your unsung heroes and heroines, you know, because you have these paintings that like people just don't really appreciate for what they, the way they should. And like, you know, and I know which ones they are and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. It makes me feel good that I can see what's in that, you know, even though I want other people to, too. And I try, that's why I post all of this to try to get people all excited about it. It is weird. You know, every once in a while there's a painting that I think is so great and it doesn't get it just doesn't have the the resonance with people but that's yep. that's part of being an artist you know like that effigy painting you put it posted yeah, that painting great, that's like, i love that painting and I, I just to me that was like it was easy to paint and it came out so good and it's so weird and i just i just love everything about it but it never caught on as a favorite you know it was never no, but but it's in dystopia and yeah. I know the secret behind it. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here like, Ooh, but effigy is so much cooler than people even know. So that's kind of the fun thing for me about dystopia is like, cause I've always, right. you know, my, my whole goal has been like to platform what you're doing as much as I can to try to get it out there. So it's like, you know, dystopia is a way for me to do that further because I am like, yeah, I get to help him explain to people why these, what this is. I mean, mm. it's not just, that's the thing. It's not just a painting. That's what we've discovered. That's the amazing thing. That's the fucking golden nugget right there is it's, um, they it's are the just paintings. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're looking at it like this is a real place, then what the fuck is effigy? And, th- and I asked Chet that question. I asked it them that question, what, 117 times <laughs> yeah. the paintings that we had in the list, you know? Yeah. And, and the answer to that question was fascinating enough to end up in the book so right there yeah you go. yeah so anyway so uh i mean we could maybe talk a little bit about the paintings yeah uh now i've got so i've got that that spider guy coming out of out of the dude's head which i i love that painting i got the mr wilson um which sold somebody bought it already which is good um and then the other one that sold was the smart buyer right there the creeper the creeper sold, oh, which is just that, that super kind of demonic, scary looking, creepy guy. Really simple, but something about it is really creepy. It's unnerving to me. because you can't like you're looking at it and you can't really tell whether he's look it, I guess, is looking <laughs> in at you uh-huh. or whether you're looking in at it. And that's what's like. So for me, that's the magic of that painting, because it's like the frame is set in such a way of the window that it's like. 
You, it could oh, be no, no, you're talking about a different painting. I know what oh, you're talking about. Yeah, painting. yeah. Tell me the, the name of that one. The Peeper. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm talking about the Creeper. The Creeper and the Peeper, of course. <laughs> so listen, the though. The, listen, the Creeper, I ended up putting in another show because it wasn't, I, I couldn't fit it. It wasn't, it was made for an, a, a square canvas or a rectangular canvas just because it's, it, he's looking in a window frame. It's the guy peeping in, looking in the yeah. window frame. And Love it just, that, that wouldn't. That w- just didn't sit right with me as an oval painting. And I had this uh, crime on canvas show that I was invited to that was this weekend. So I put that in that show because it's like, I want to paint this painting so bad. It's really good, but it's not going to work in the oval. I'd rather have all the paintings oval. And yeah, yeah. so anyway, the creeper is the guy that's, yeah, it's, I don't know how to describe it. He's kind of got these demonic eyes. Um, it's really kind of simple, but it's it's well, almost maybe a kind that of should be the that should be the, the picture for this week. There you go. So yeah, then everyone sure. will know what it looks well, like since we're sitting here like dod, you know dancing around it. May, yeah, maybe. Or the other the other thing is the the centerpiece of the show, which is all all these paintings are are eleven by fourteen. They're all small. Everything's pretty affordable. Uh, and then there's a sixteen by twenty painting, which is the Siamese clowns, which I think is kind oh, of the, so the the centerpiece, which is this two headed clown concept, and um. Yeah, that one's I just finished also. Um, so uh, that's that's we're putting that on the as the kind of the on the cards and the ads and everything. Just the sign. They, they look the most alive out of some. Of, I mean, maybe not the most, but goddamn right up there. Like I would say that they look as as alive and real, like they could actually exist in a real place, as like remembering. Oh, thanks. You know, because like that painting to me is like has this like really physical quality like it looks like it could be you know right. and the clowns have that same look like it like it's unnerving because it's like looks too good like too much like it could really be a real thing like it might i like i that's why i want to see it in person and of course i'm not going to be at the show wah, wah, wah. but nevertheless <laughs> i'd love to be in front of it because it really does seem like it might have that if it looks that good on a phone and a computer it's going to be like it's going to stick its head out of the you know, oval frame. Yeah, and yeah. It it looks bite you or something. It looks really good. It looks really good. And a funny little story about that is that it was sitting. I had varnished it the other day, and that varnish kind of stays tacky for a couple of days. Uh, the gamvar I use. And Lisa was standing there talking, and she put her hand on the table and stuck her thumb on the painting and left this big thumbprint. She's like, oh, shit, I just put a thumbprint on your painting. And uh, <laughs> it was funny because she didn't even notice That's that great. she did it. But I was able to, you know, that the cool thing about that varnish is that it's removable, reapplyable. So I was able just to touch it up with a little varnish, and uh, it, it all looks all good again. But um, the funny thing I was telling you about the the um, – the, uh, the, uh, Siamese clowns is, uh, you know, of course, as I'm painting for the show and thinking about fear and thinking about how the world's afraid and everybody's afraid and all this panic's going on, of course, I'm thinking about, excuse me, politics and, uh, you know, Donald Trump and everything and just the political state of of the country of the United States. And um, again, this magical thing happened with that painting that once I had it like 75% finished. I'm like, Oh, this is like a political painting, totally unintentional, you know, but I, I painted, if you look at the painting and you can, you'll, you'll see this when you see it now, it was totally unplanned, you know? And, and it's funny too, because we just did that, uh, uh, interview with Dos Diablos and I was kind of ragging on political, 
artwork. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, totally. yeah, it doesn't That's have hilarious. the. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> so it's kind of a, I'm kind of a hypocrite in that way. But I didn't mean to do it; it just happened. So I, well, I, I, I think. But what you were saying was, is it's not done in a way nowadays right. that That's what fits I meant the to times. Say. And so it's like you know you're doing you're you are executing something that fits the times. You're doing the thing that you were saying it doesn't do. So that's right. like okay, you can okay. ask more from an right. artist. Okay, okay, that's true. That's true. I, I guess what I was saying, uh, what I meant to say back on that, that because I was thinking about that after, like, oh shit, I just, <laughs> I just was kind of ragging on political <laughs> Dismissive, art. Dismissive, maybe. Yeah, it yeah but little... I, I guess what I'm saying, what I meant to say was that uh, so much political art is just so beating you over the head with it, and it doesn't, you know, doesn't have that subtlety that I think really subtlety. kind of yeah. makes it. But um, when you look at that painting. Um, you'll notice that the clown is it's a two-headed clown and it's the colors of the clown are red white and blue which is totally unintentional I'm telling you their faces are white and then the their clothing and makeup is red and uh, red and blue so you've got the red white and blue element there you've got and it's not even it's nonpartisan even this painting it's just about politics you've got a head on the left and a head on the right and the head on the right is got a cigar and he's uh kind of older looking and kind of gruff looking and sort of i don't know feels like a stronger character and um you know he's blind he's got those you know x's in his eyes he's got kind of orange hair which is you know, kind of trump <laughs> and then on the left you've got um the 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 scared clown that's like smaller and he's like like looking at him like going oh shit I'm you know look I'm this he's scared of this other head that's on there he's stuck where, with him. whereas the one on the right is just kind of like blindly looking off you know with this creepy smile on his face bloody fucking doll yeah. light my cigar bitch <laughs> and then uh, yeah in the in the left so it's kind of like the right head and this was also unintentional the head on its right is like a Republican. Yeah, right. The head on its left is like a Democrat, which are, you know, tend to be, or, you know, they don't, without getting into the interpretation of it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like that. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's funny because when it occurred to me, I was like, oh, this is red, white, and blue. I wonder if this painting, I started looking at it for the political symbols and I realized the head that would represent the left is on the left and the head that would right, represent the right. right is on the right. I was like, whoa, that's so it's trippy. It's kind of like, it's funny because it's like your painting is almost like my dreaming is because like I'll dream journal, you know, and then I'll like read it and be like, oh, it's so obvious, you right. know, like, you know, and that's how your painting is. Like you go into like this state of almost like a, you know, semi dream state or something. And then you look at it afterwards and you're like, oh, right. it's so obvious. Well, it's like you know, you left like an like an Easter egg for yourself right, to like figure out later or something. Yeah, that's what I always said. That's that's like your big talent is your dreaming, the work you do in dreaming. That's like your natural ability, you know. Or whether it's you've you know worked on it to create it, it seems like that's kind of your thing is is your dreaming. So, um, I just thought that was funny, and it was, and that's to me that's the magic when you paint, you create something, and then it clearly has a meaning. And it's obvious, and you had nothing to do with it other than you, you made it, and you don't know where it came from. But it seems like, how could it, you know, how could that happen? It's just such a trip to me. It's really so, it's just magic to me. So, it is, totally. Any, anyway, um, so. Well, when I first saw it, I thought that the little dude on the right had a Devo hat on. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, right. That's his left, though. That's well, why yeah. it's it's his left, which is, you know. 
I'm just saying if right. I'm looking at it as <laughs> yeah, a right, viewer, the guy on the right is his dude, left. Dude on the right. Yeah. No, it's just a little clown hat. It's not a Devo hat. Yeah. But, it, it, but that was the first thing I thought of. was like, oh, that's very Devo-esque. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is kind it of Devo. It could also be a, a subconscious of... little yeah. uh, another splinter in there anyway. That's true. Um, so the other paintings... Uh, what are they? Shit. Completely blanking out. I've got like four left. I got to finish. They're almost done. Oh, the one with the spider on the guy's face. Yeah, the, the big great. spider that's covering his eyes and his little the spider's little arms are pulling making his, him smile. making him smile. Which is just pretty creepy. But that one is still not quite right. There's something not right about it. So I gotta as soon as I'm done with this, I'm gonna go in there and do that. Um, I've got the uh, oh the spider lady, which I really love, which is the creepy lady with the hat with spider legs coming out from under the hat, and then the little black widows are crawling over her face that are going in or coming out of this empty eye socket she has, which is hard to see. And I was really uh, happy when my granddaughter came in, who is five, and she said, all the spiders are going into her eye. And I was like, oh, yes, she got it. So, you know, if <laughs> nice. a five-year-old can get it, I did my job because yeah. I was wondering, it's like, are people going to get that the spiders are are either going in or coming out from her empty eye socket? So she got it. And, uh, <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very cute. So, um, uh, and then I got one that the jaw, you know, the one with the jaw, that's like the lower, there's one where the lower lip is pulled underneath the jawline it, yeah. and it's kind of got this jaw sticking out I think i've missed this one somehow yeah it's it's the one that doesn't have the thing yet it doesn't mm. have the magic yet it's like it's a good little character but it does i'm still i'm really struggling with that one because it's almost finished but it doesn't have the thing that makes it go boom you right, know so right. i'm kind of waiting for that and you can't plan that yeah so you just have to basically like fuck with it noodle with it until it happens yeah yeah and or sit with it and just look at it and try and work on other stuff but you know time's running out that's what's so stressful about a show like this yeah it's yeah. time's running out and i gotta make the magic happen on these couple of other paintings and it's not there yet and the show's in you know two weeks from saturday so last saturday yeah. so as of this airing it'll be you know a week and a half and then we gotta yeah, hang, yeah. hang the show which will probably be the day before the show which is a friday so that means uh don't even get me thinking about it yeah reel it back in chat <laughs> reel it back in so, oh, yeah, I told you about the the Del, Del Toro tribute show. Yep, yep yeah. you mentioned it. So that's going to be... I, again, I got it. I wish it could be there. I know, so, I know. I mean, there's no way in hell I, first of all, could even afford it, even if I had the time to do it, you know. But then, obviously, I don't have the time to do it either. So there's right. that. But it would be a really cool show to see because I've never, you know, I know that this the Guillermo Del Toro tribute stuff's been kind of like he, the thing he did and then the, these tributes are kind of happening all over and I've right. missed all of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I will say uh, let's. We're we're getting close to the end, so I can talk a little bit yes. about, about the the uh, death's head fractal frame. Um, everything's based on a a head in a frame. These little elements that I'm sculpting for the frame. So I'm using this shrinking rubber. So I'm um, I sculpted this head that's in a five by seven frame, same style as the frame I'm using for my basis for the frames, and um, I molded that. And I cast it in the shrinking rubber, and it didn't shrink enough. This, so, because I wanted to get it small to make as little decorative pieces on the frame mm -hmm. to put into the sculpture, then mold that and shrink that smaller because it kind of goes around 
you'll see when you guys see it. But um, so then the other day, I just realized I have to sculpt a small one now. So I sculpted a small one in one day, and the hardest part was the frame, making this oval nice frame. It's harder right, than right. the little head. So I stayed up all night until about six in the morning. Ended up sculpting this head and molded that. So now I'm shrinking that because I have to. Each step has to get. There has to be like three or four little sizes of heads. Um, this is look what he does to himself, people. You know, <laughs> this is how hard he he works himself for the art god. You know, it is like the idea is worth all of that fucking effort. You know, oh, I mean, that's be so that, cool. That's it. It's going to be that's so what I'm cool. Saying, that's what I'm saying. It's integrity right there at its best. I'm telling right. you, it's 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 something to be. It's something for all of us to aspire to. Seriously, I mean, that's it, there. There's a power in that that you would be willing to dog yourself, and and I know what all that means too. And I think a lot of the people that listen do too. You know. Just because it's uh, it's going to be so cool. That's it. That's the yeah. whole reason you heard him say it. Because it's going to be so cool. Right. This is the guy. That's the, true. The, it this is. This is the man right here. You know. Well, it's 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 funny too because at the same time I'm so pushing myself so hard to meet this deadline that I've been like you know not doing feeling good psychologically. You know, yeah, like yeah. I get tired and I start being. You know, I'm going. I've been going through that point where I'm like, is this worth it? Like I, this is how bad it's gotten. Should I have left the industry to do this? Wow. That's a, yeah, that's bad. You know, if I'm thinking thinking about the, you know the, leaving the industry being a bad thing. Right now, I'm you know I'm good because it's the daytime and I'm and I had a nice a good night's sleep. But man, it's like it's so hard to push on when you're in that state of mind. I mean, I've been still been painting it, but it's just like it's been it's difficult and painful. It's, it hasn't been fun. You know, this last couple weeks has been like not enjoyable and and that's always kind of a bummer you know yeah every once in a while you're you know when you get the painting to that point then it's like the reward you get the endorphins and you're like ah oh, you know that's the best feeling in the world but man it's so much hard work well, at least you have something to show for it. I can say the same thing. This past two weeks has just been for me basically miserable, and I think it's that's been this that way would for be that'd be people. putting it putting it lightly. And I don't have anything to show for it. <laughs> so at least you have something to show for your miserable two weeks. Christ. That's true. That's true. I, I, you know, in the end, the show will be good. I know that much. It'll be small, but it's but it'll be a, a really good show. And the uh, I'm also what's cool is the five by seven little death's head that was supposed to shrink down I, I am shrinking that down and i'm going to be able to use that on the the one sixteen by 20 frame so that works out plus i'm going to okay. cast up uh the plaques the 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 framed skulls original sculpture the five by seven and I'm, oh, cool. i think i'm going to hang offer those for sale and hang them in between the paintings so that will be kind of wow. like throughout all the all, all the show that'll be kind of cool, cool. another el sculpture element so yeah i'm almost done Yep, I'm you almost are done. insane, Chet. It's impressive. It's impressive. It's something again for all of us to aspire to. I, I just, I, uh, I feel like I'm doing something wrong to to be at this <laughs> place. It's so like, <laughs> I just feel like there's got to be a better way. I mean, I know I'm fighting the good fight and all that, but this is just, you know, you know, I get like this once in a while. I'm just like, I just, I feel like it's too much. Like you yep. shouldn't have to work this hard. It's not healthy, you know, physically even. You know, I haven't exercise since i started this show and uh, anyway it's just yeah. the way it goes <laughs> it's the art well life. what i my my answer to that is 
is that going into each of these experiences, insofar as we're able to recognize the elements that went awry last time, if we can make preemptive moves to try to alleviate the things that we learned did not work properly last time well, okay. and integrate those into our new experiences, okay. uh, that over time you evolve to be okay. better and better in every way and every day with time. Okay, well, here's, here's the thing that happened. Uh, here's the thing that happened. I had to keep earning money. And so that's always the problem. I know it drives me insane, (laughs) except trying to keep earning more money. But it's like, I have to keep putting off painting for the show because I got to make money because I got to pay the bills. You know, it's like every show is like this. I'm just, I'm going to be so happy. I know someday it's going to happen to where I'm going to get over this hump. I mean, I, I bring in a decent amount of money for an artist for sure, you know, but I'm not to that point where I've got my debt paid off and I've got, you know, I can chill. I don't, you know, have a savings and not worry for a rainy day. Or like be able to take like two days off right. for one week and go somewhere oh for a God. minute and That'd like amazing. breathe some different air. <laughs> I know. Thank God. My wife, we just had our 29th anniversary and, and, uh, it's amazing. She's so she's so amazing and supportive it's it's amazing it's i couldn't do it without her imagine all the hours i work you know and with without having you know her allowing me that freedom to do that it would be impossible to do so uh, i can guarantee you that I, that that it is not the same not the same for me so yeah it's an amazing gift yeah so i i i i truly appreciate that it's i couldn't do it without her support so Thank you, Lisa. And on that note, we should end it. Let's wrap it up. This gotta... episode's called The Fear, and by the end of it, we made it around to what you love. There you <laughs> That's go. right. That's a full circle <laughs> episode right there, if I ever heard one. Yeah. And I got to get back to work. So um, let's. Yep, me too. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Mike, for taking the time and making this happen. And. Um, uh, Uh, Let me mention, I'm going to mention one thing real fast, not a big deal, but we are one step closer than last episode to doing the thing that's exciting, that's the news that we want to unleash for you that will be a way in which you all can get involved. We're not there yet to the point of being able to say it, but I didn't want to drop the ball because we talked about it last time. Chip brought it up, so I'm bringing it up this time. We are one step closer. That's true. That's true. There's so much to look forward to. That's the other thing that's driving me nuts about going through this both of us going through this difficult time right now you know i know you and i can both see the future and amazing things are going to happen and right now it's like okay now is the suffering time yeah, we got to keep now your is down. your time to suffer I keep slogging <laughs> yeah. forward you know you're moving up the side of a pyramid and you have a stone on your right. back that you're just carrying and just keep your head down yeah, keep... watch your feet and yeah. just watch <laughs> exactly step. that's it that's it that's, 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 that's right it's you know there's times in your life where the where magical things happen and everything's whoa and just comes to you and then there's the other times where reality's like okay now's your time to now's your time to do the grind so you're going to do the grind as long as it takes, it might take years to do this grind, but you have to do the grind if you want the prize at the end. So yep. right now we're in the grind. Well, and here's the thing. If you lose faith in that along the way, you know, it's fine. But you got to get the faith back. you got to get it back. Because well, if no. you lose faith entirely, you know, you may not get to the prize. That, <laughs> well, well, that's – I mean, here, I hate to say it. I would say this. I would say this. The faith keeps you going on the grind. But the, the important thing is to keep doing the grind. 
if of you course. keep doing the grind, you'll get there. So if right. if if the faith, even if you're faithless, is right. what Chet's saying. Yeah. Even you, in the face of faithlessness, you can doubt. You can doubt. Just grind through it. Keep yeah. the grind. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I I would say at the end of that word, because uh, yeah, for me it's true as well. If I just that's why I say look down at my feet each step, just trucking along. It can it, it could be horrible, you know, and yeah. it will be at times, yep. you know. And the thing is, is that again, I, I mentioned to Chet before we got on this because we're talking about, you know, problem solving because we're guys, you know, guys got problem solve everything. So we're problem solving these two males, <laughs> problem solving. And, uh, and, you know, I said, I know the answer. I just, you know, don't know how to solve it, you know, to this whole problem. Um, and I've already lost my point. So well, let's the, end it probably the, an- <laughs> probably the answer is just to keep grinding, you yeah, know, that's the answer. <laughs> so, so, so keep grinding everybody. You could see that, you know what, you know what you're grinding for and keep the grind going. And thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Yeah. Please share and like, and all that stuff support. If you can go and to chetzar.bigcartel.com and, purchase something uh that would be great that'll help support the show and yeah and also if y'all want to head over to my podcast which is an audio book that i am doing called emails from infinity it is uh we'll put a link there but it's emails from infinity it's on soundcloud so soundcloud.com forward slash emails from infinity and we're into the last chapter now so there's quite a few episodes there for people that have not listened to it yeah, yet it's really to good too. yeah and it's in chronological order so go back to the first one the something and move through it and uh yeah tell me what you think yeah it's very very good very interesting and very weird in a good way things that challenge yes alright thanks everybody and we will talk to you next time see you next Wednesday bye